Hello, I'm Jacqueline, and here's today's teaching text. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Thank you. Hey, good morning. It's great to see you today. It's great to be connected today. Obviously, online across all our campuses, it's great to see a great team and some people in the room today. And I'm so excited for next week when we're going back to in-person services and uh, across all our services in Chesterfield and Stocksbridge, first of all, and then when other venues open up, obviously in Derby, in Sheffield and in Rotherham. Too. As Nathan uh, says, my name's Paul, for any of that don't know me, and together with my wife Jeannie, we're the lead pastors of Icon Church. And this is part two of a mini-series that's actually a, a, a part of a bigger thing that we're creating that was called Lost. Maybe you remember that. And uh, the purpose of our Lost discussions, really, is to rediscover the mission and message of Jesus. And we've just been talking last week and this week uh, about life's biggest battles, and therefore we've entitled these two weeks, This Means War. You may recall, you may have seen, if you're on social media, some of our promotion. We asked this question, like at the beginning, were you ever taught about the biggest battles you would face in life and how to overcome them? Uh, Not just sickness, or the loss of a job, or the breakdown of a relationship. No, the real big ones, the ones we all face. And then we said, it's not too late if you weren't taught about those things, because we're going to talk about them. And that's what we're doing in this This Means War series. Last week, I, I talked about identity, where we get our identity from, because I think that's one of the biggest battles we all face in life. And it's a recurring battle that comes back over and over again. And this week, I want to talk about confidence, because I believe one of the biggest battles we face is for confidence in life. You know, so many people I speak to at this time are talking about this last year, and they're saying, my confidence has been knocked. Some have even said, my confidence at some point in this last year has hit rock bottom. Uh, People have talked about losing hope or being fearful of the future. I, th- I think this is a battle that we all face at times, don't you? A battle we all face around confidence. 
We think the biggest battles in life will come around our relationship breakdown, maybe, or a career, or our health. Maybe the turnover of our business dives, and we think that's the biggest battles. Maybe we think the biggest battle in life will come from a mistake that we make, a failure. But I believe that the biggest battles we face are around these issues of identity and this issue of confidence. When we read the teaching text today was the temptation of Jesus. And we see in that text that Jesus faced the battle for his identity, but also the battle for confidence. And these, I believe, as I've said, are the biggest challenges. So today, I want to talk about confidence. You know, my confidence and I'm sure your confidence, has been challenged in so many ways. In the passage that Jacqueline has just read for us, Jesus is battling and the devil attacks these two things, his identity and his confidence. If you are the son of God, if that's who you are, Satan says to him, and he says that to him twice. And then in the third temptation, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, And he says, all this I will give to you. In other words, I'm greater than you. I've got more than you have. And I can give you what God cannot give you. It's a battle for his identity and a battle for confidence. And Jesus is at his lowest point, having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, Confidence is so important. And I believe that God wants us to live with confidence. Because almost everything in life is better with confidence. You know, and therefore our confidence will be challenged. We will face crises of confidence. And this temptation comes straight after the baptism of Jesus. Last week we talked about Jesus being baptized. And, you know, when he's baptized, there's this voice from heaven that comes to instill incredible confidence and incredible security. You are my son. Whom I love, in you I am well pleased. And then the Bible says, if that wasn't enough, the Holy Spirit comes and descends on Jesus like a dove. I mean, just imagine for a moment that was you. You've been baptized and you hear a voice. You are my son, you are my daughter. And then the Holy Spirit comes and you know the presence of God. I I think Jesus, like us, would have been on cloud nine. It must have been for him a moment of supreme joy, a moment of absolute confidence. But then the very next verse says, and this is is so amazing, the very next verse says, Matthew 4 and verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I don't know if that seems strange to you or not. It seems strange to me that straight after this incredible moment of victory, And this incredible moment of comfort that he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. I think many of us struggle with this idea. The idea that problems are not ultimate failures. That trouble can be a means of growth and opportunity. I think for progress, sometimes we struggle with that idea. We just see problems, struggles as setbacks and and difficulties. You see, difficulty is not always our fault. There's an enemy, an enemy who will attack our confidence and an enemy that will attack our confidence usually at the moment we experience our greatest victories. But even then, 
even when the enemy will attack our confidence or we will make mistakes, maybe even after great triumphs in life, even then the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is involved. Anyone glad? Anyone glad that even in our darkest moments, the Holy Spirit is at work? The Holy Spirit's at work on our behalf. Don't you just love God? That even in the darkness, He is there with us. And this is how the Bible starts. The book of Genesis, the very first verses in in the whole scripture. It says that the world was formless and void. Tohu vabohu in the Hebrew, wild and waste. But it says even in that moment of supreme darkness... Wild and waste, void and formless, it says the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. I don't know if you're in a dark place today, but I want you to be encouraged. However dark your place is, the Spirit of God is in there with you. He is hovering over those waters. I want you to receive that by faith today. I believe that's a word for you today. The Holy Spirit is with you. So... Why is the Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? I'm so glad you asked that question. You know, Icon Church, you ask the very best questions. It's incredible. Well, here's one reason that the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's this. Jesus is winning the battle for our true identity, and Jesus is winning the battle of confidence So that we can fully trust him for both our identity and our confidence. Somebody once said this, a believer without confidence is like a plane without fuel. It's got all the equipment to fly, but it cannot get off the ground. I love what the writer of Hebrews says this. In Hebrews 10 verses 35 to 36, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. I love that. Don't throw it away because if you can keep your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, he goes on, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. That's a a word to hold on to, isn't it? Don't throw away your confidence. I want to look this morning briefly at this temptation passage to see the source of our confidence, why we can hold on to confidence, why God wants us to be confident. And I'm ready, I don't know about you, but I'm ready today to be refilled with confidence. I believe in this moment where we've had this incredibly weird year of this pandemic, some things are going to need to be rebuilt Some things are going to need to be restored. Some things are going to need to be refreshed and renewed. I think we are going to need to be refilled. Refilled with the Holy Spirit and refilled today with confidence. Hope restored. Is anyone up for that today? I know I am today. So I've got a few thoughts. Here's the first. Your confidence comes from God's word. Your confidence comes from God's word. Jesus has been fasting. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he's been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry, although that's probably an understatement if you've not eaten for 40 days. And Satan comes to him, and he prays on his weakness, and he prays on his weakest moment. And he says, if you are the Son of God, 
turn these stones to bread. You see, the real temptation here is not hunger. The real temptation is not some warm bread just out of the oven with butter on. That's not the, I know, you're salivating, I know, I know. That's, but that's not the real temptation. The real temptation is around identity and confidence. If you are who God says you are. You, he's been alone in the desert for a month. No crowds, no voice from heaven. He's been alone for, in the desert for a whole month. And the enemy comes to him and says, well, you're a failure. I suppose you're supposed to be the son of God, but there's nothing going on. And to add to there's nothing going on, there's nobody here. There's no followers. There's no miracles, nothing. To add to all that, you're starving to death if you are the son of God. But Jesus answered, and he said this, Matthew 4 and verse 4, he answers the devil and he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. My sustenance is not from the food I eat, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, right now at my lowest point, at my weakest point, I've still got confidence in what God said. I've still got confidence in the word of God. You see, Satan was challenging what the father had said at Jesus' baptism. You are my son who I love in you I'm well pleased. He was trying to destroy his identity and to wreck his confidence. And Jesus said to him, I hear what you're saying, but, but I believe God. I think that word but is a word for us today. I hear what you're saying. I know I'm feeling weak. I know there's no crowds. I know I'm starving, but... I still believe God. Maybe you've got circumstances that are screaming at you right now. And they're saying to you, where's God? Where's, where's your miracle? Where's your confidence? And you can say this morning, I know. I can hear what you're saying. But I believe God. Somebody needs a big but today in Jesus' name. <laughs> I wonder, have you ever been in that position? I have. Maybe criticism of yourself, by yourself, or criticism of yourself by others. Negativity, so many people talk to me about the negativity in their family or the negativity in their own mind, their self-talk. So many people talk to me sometimes about the negativity of other people. I, like, I get that. I really get that. Uh, maybe you've had a bad report, you know, bad news. You're sick. News that made you doubt. News that made you lose your confidence. News that made you lose hope. Made you feel sick to the stomach. And you have you ever experienced that? And you just had to dig deep. And you just had to dig deep into God's word. And you just had to say, I hear what you're saying. I know this is around me. But, but, that's a word for somebody today. This is the word for you today. Come on, I hear what you're saying, but I believe God. In November uh, 2017, I, I got Bell's palsy. Some of you will remember. And uh, I was at a meeting Thursday evening. My face began to drop. And on the Friday, I went to hospital and they did tests and scans because they thought maybe I was having a stroke. 
And after the test, they said, you're not having a stroke, and that's the good news, but you've got Bell's palsy. And I, I came to church, and I preached here on the Sunday. And I remember in the 9.15 service, I didn't mention it, and I got up to speak, and people literally were looking at me scared because they thought I was having a stroke on stage right there and then in the pulpit during the message. Uh, I want you to understand why they thought that because this is what I look like back here. Not a good look, is it, for Icon Church? Thanks, Sam. My youngest son, Sam, kept that picture. During the worship that morning, when we came to the prayer moment, I actually laid hands on my face. And as I laid hands on my face, as I was praying for healing, uh, the first thing that happened, two things happened. The first was I said to God, do you know what? I'm not going to preach or lead uh, meetings for a while because this isn't a good look for Icon Church. And there's so many others who can do just as good a job. But I felt a rebuke. And say, no, you've got to carry on as normal. And, uh, and then the second thing was a verse of scripture came to my mind. And I want to show it to you. It's from the story of a man with a withered hand who comes to Jesus for healing. But he's hiding his under, underway, just like me, he was embarrassed. And he didn't want people to see it. And it's this, Matthew 12, 13. It says, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And it was restored as whole as the other. As I was stood there praying for my face, I knew that God was saying, this side of your face will be restored just like the other. And it was. Despite the fact that the whole left side of my face had no nerve endings working, it was completely restored in two weeks. I just want to take a praise break and thank God for that this morning. The, hosp the hospital had made uh, me an appointment to go back six weeks later. And it wasn't until I went back that I realized that this was a miracle. In fact, the consultant who saw me, who was a Christian, and uh, actually I work with this consultant now on a board of trustees, um, he actually used those words. He said, Paul, this is a miracle. Because apparently, I didn't know, I had the worst level of Bell's palsy you can have. And one reason the appointment was six weeks away was because they didn't expect much improvement at all for that period of time. The consultant actually told me that at that level, it's very rare that the face goes back to full normality. But mine did. So many people told me in those first few days, my auntie, my mum, my uncle had this years ago and they never fully recovered. I, I googled superstars who had Bell's palsy and I found superstars who look the way they do today because they had Bell's palsy. I hear you, but. I hear you, but. I can see you on Google, but. But I believe God. It will be restored just like the other. In the middle of the night, I would wake up in bed and I would lay hands on my face and and I would, I would just declare that it will be restored. You see, I had to put my confidence in God's word. I kept preaching. I even went to preach for a friend in the northeast. Not my finest moment. And uh, as I say, I pray for my faith. I want to encourage you today. You will hear the voice of the enemy. 
You will hear a voice of discouragement, a voice designed to destroy your confidence, a voice wanting to rob you of hope, but you can believe God's word. Come on, just put but in the chat. I hear you, but... And I believe that you will hear God today. That's my prayer. Whether it's around your health or your job or your family, your marriage, your business, you will say, I hear you, but I believe God. And that you will gain confidence from what God says and not the defeatist, diabolical voice of the enemy. Your confidence comes from God's word. Secondly, your confidence comes from your conviction. That God is good. That God is good. In the temptation of Jesus, Jesus is facing in the wilderness what Adam faced in the garden. In, in the garden of Eden, Satan comes to Adam and said, did God really say? What Satan is saying to Adam is God is holding out on you. There's more for you if you reject God. Maybe you've heard that voice in your life. There's more life in the ways of the world than in God's kingdom. Maybe you've heard that voice in your head. Um, <clears throat> God just wants to take from you. Maybe you've heard that voice. You're, you can have a better life without this religious stuff. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've heard Jesus came to give you life, but he can't really give you the life that you want. Maybe you've heard that. Well, in the second temptation, the devil says to Jesus, throw yourself down, Jesus. And Jesus, if we're using scripture... Doesn't the word say he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone? You can see, can't, can't you? I can see the smirk on Satan's face. Gotcha. If you're going to use the word of God, Jesus, I've got some word for you. If you're going to trust and appeal to the scriptures, here's one for you. Gotcha. But there's that word again. But... But Jesus answers with some scripture of his own. Knowing that Satan is twisting the scripture for his own ends, Jesus answered him. Matthew 4 verse 7 says, Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I hear you, but there's no need for me to test God. I know who God is. I don't have to test him. I know who he is. You don't put the God to the test because he is who he says he is. I don't need a test to know who God is. Jesus was saying, I don't need to test God to prove that God is for me. His word is enough. Amen? His word is enough. My circumstances don't change who God is. My bad report doesn't change who God is. My dark place, my weakness, my success even, my mistakes, none of it, nothing changes who my God is. Whatever is happening, let's, let's go to the words of a song. Whatever is happening in the words of the song, he is almighty God. I want to sing it. Do you want me to sing it? No, you don't. He is almighty God, Elohim, maker of the earth. He is the Lord of hosts. Heaven's king, God of endless worth. His kingdom stands above every power, every living soul. His love is like the sun, ever true, shining over all. Nothing, nothing changes who your God is. I think this is going to be one of our biggest challenges 
post-COVID, to fall back on our convictions? Will we believe in a world of scarcity or a world of abundance? Will we believe in a God of grace or a God of judgment? Will we become more self-giving or self-preserving? Will we, like Nehemiah, Nathan mentioned him today in the offering, will we, like Nehemiah, rebuild the ruins or will we ruin what has been built? Will we find hope in the midst of despair? We need Icon Church, Church of Jesus Christ. We need to roll out hope and confidence as well as our government has rolled out the vaccine. Come on, somebody. We do. You see, I am convinced God is good. I'm convinced he's got more for me. The best is yet to come. I'm convinced he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. I'm convinced that life in all its fullness is found in Jesus Christ. (laughs) Conviction is something you're convinced of even when the evidence would tell you something else. Or people would tell you something else. Or Twitter would tell you something else. Anybody else think Twitter was designed by the devil? But anyway, let's not get into that. Our confidence comes from the conviction that God is good. And scripture teaches us God is good and God is for us. And then the last thing is your confidence comes from your worship. Temptation Number three, numero tres, I will give you, Satan says, all the kingdoms of the world. Look at this. This is what I own. I'll give it all to you if you will worship me. Ultimately, that's what the devil wants, our worship. But it's interesting, in 1966, A man called Anton Zander LaVey, I think that's how you pronounce his surname, founded the Church of Satan in 1966. I've actually got an LP. I nearly brought it today, an LP, fantastic LP, called Hotel California, where he is on the cover of this cover. But anyway, I I had to say it. I wasn't going to say that, but I've got that LP. But he says this about Satanism. We don't worship Satan. We worship ourselves. We worship ourselves. Worship me, Satan said. But Jesus again answers him. In Matthew 4 and verse 10, he says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know the name Satan means the accuser. Satan means the accuser. You see, and the accuser wants you to worship him. Can you imagine worshiping someone who just wants you to accuse, wants to accuse you? That's what the worship of self ultimately does or the worship of anything other than God. You see, if you worship self, your confidence will run short. If you worship intellect, your confidence will be found lacking. If you worship wealth and riches... That will never be enough. Worship anything or anyone other than God and your confidence will be limited. Here's a great thought. Where your confidence comes from determines where it will run out. 
The focus of your worship is the source of your confidence. Your confidence will follow your focus. It will follow your worship. Worship is not the songs we sing, but worship is the one we serve, the one you live for. Did you notice what Jesus said? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him. That's worship. We must never forget that we come from a tradition that as as our primary text, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus quotes this verse several times. He quotes it in answer to the question, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He also quotes it when he's asked the question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when Jesus says to us, follow me, the first thing we learn is that the purpose of our life is to serve God and serving God is worship. This is a hammer blow to the devil who decided not to serve God, but to serve himself and was cast down from heaven. It's a hammer blow to the devil, but it's life for us. Because serving God, worshipping Jesus, that's the source of our confidence. So how's our serve going today? How's it going? I wonder, are you looking forward to serving again? Maybe you're able to say, I'm serving people, I'm serving God through my, through my job, through my work, through my family. But I love it that we get to serve God's purposes as the church, as the church of Jesus Christ. I wonder, are you looking forward to serving again? I am. Have you got the confidence today, hope that you in your house will serve the Lord? Is that your confidence and your conviction? You see, your worship is the reservoir of your confidence. And if you worship Jesus, that reservoir will never run dry. Our confidence comes from God's word. And my prayer today is that you will hear God speaking. But also, my hope is that you will open the scriptures or you remind yourself with the scriptures and you will look and see with fresh eyes. You will have the anticipation as you open the scriptures to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, strengthening you, and that you would rely on God's word. That you would say, I hear you, circumstances. I hear you, devil. I hear you, whatever's happening. But this is what God says. Our confidence comes from our conviction that God is good. And my prayer today is that whatever circumstances we're in or you will face, you will know the Holy Spirit is with you. Some of you are going tomorrow morning into situations and you think this is dark, this is difficult. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is right alongside you. He's your comforter and He's coming with you. I'm coming with you, God says. I'm coming with you. And your confidence comes from the focus of your worship. And my prayer is that you will say today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that you will say and make a commitment today, we're ready to serve. We're ready to go. We're fired up. We know our confidence is in God and our confidence, we're ready to serve God. So I want to pray. I want to pray right now for those three things. And I want to ask you today that if you're sick, 
because I want to pray for your healing. I want to ask you, put your hand on your body at home, in your living room, in your bed, in your kitchen, wherever you're connecting today, here in the room. If you're sick in some area of your body, just like I did that morning in prayer, on the, just put my hand, just put your hand on your body. I'm going to pray for your healing today and believe the Holy Spirit will heal you. If you're low on confidence or your confidence has been knocked, I am going to pray for you right now that the Holy Spirit, you will know his presence and you will know him present, not just in this moment, but in this season. And maybe today you say, Paul, I need to reset my worship. I need to remove my commitment to serve Jesus. I'm praying for that right now. So come on. If you've got your hand on your body, if you're sick, maybe there's somebody in your family and they're with you, they're near you, just lay hands on them. If they're in your bubble, of course. Oh, I'm so waiting for these bubbles to end because the Bible says lay hands on the sick. So let me pray. Lord, I pray for these three things right now. I pray for every person who right now is putting a hand on a part of their body who needs healing. And on the basis of your word that you are the God who heals us, we declare healing right now in living rooms, in kitchens, in bedrooms, even in this room right now. We speak healing and life. We declare restoration. Thank you for the promise to me. It will be restored. And I declare restoration right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for people today who are low on confidence or their confidence has been knocked or destroyed. You are the lifter of our head. And I thank you today, Father. I feel that some of you right now, you're, you're, feel, you're feeling a, a, a push on your chin. It's because God is lifting your head. Your hand's not there, but you can sense something is happening. The Holy Spirit is present with you right now. God is the lifter of your head and your confidence is being restored. And I pray, God, that we will renew. We will be filled with the Spirit so much that we will renew our commitment to serve Jesus and to serve your kingdom. And we pray for that right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name be healed. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.